Hello, I'm Joshua Vickery. And hi, I'm Mary Thompson Hunt. Welcome to From the Heart. Central Florida is widely known for its tourist spots and attractions, but many people don't know about its thriving arts community. On this show, we are excited to introduce to you talented and passionate artists who are making arts work in our community. How do they create and why? And how can Central Florida benefit from an even greater arts presence? On each episode, we'll introduce you to guests who are influential leaders and artists who are truly making a difference. From the heart. All right. Welcome, everybody. Hope you're having a fantastic Sunday. Thank you for joining us week after week as we talk about all the good things that are happening in our arts community. And uh, this week, we have a different uh, host. I'm super excited about this dude. Uh, Mary is actually over in Sarasota spending some time with her family, but she did text me to say uh, hello to all of her fans out there. And I know that you all agree Mary Thompson Hunt has the most awesome radio voice um, she's really uh, fantastic, but she has a heart for the arts and heart for community. And uh, she just has the week off this week. So we have standing in the gap for her <laughs> is Rob Lott. Uh, hi, Rob. Hi. So Hello. Rob is one of the founders of Central Florida Community Arts. He's also uh, our our chief creative catalyst. I just gave you a different title. <laughs> it's new. Senior it's new creative t- catalyst. Yes. But you could be the, the CCC, the chief mm. creative catalyst. Yeah. Let's write that down. That would give yeah, us let's a make that whole another meaning to CCC. <laughs> so uh, yeah. And he drives creative conversations in our organization, which in turn helps drive conversations for our arts community uh, as a whole. Uh, but he's also a fabulous show director. He just finished up The Hunchback of Notre Dame. Yes. And a local performer. So Rob, super excited you're on the show and that you're going to be hosting us today and having conversations with the opera. So how did The Hunchback of Notre Dame go? Well, from what I hear, it went very well. <laughs> you watched the whole thing with your eyes closed. Well, no, I, it was it was received very well and uh, we are very thankful for that. And for to all of the people who came out and saw the show, uh, we are thrilled uh, that you did. But yeah, from, from our point of view, creatively and artistically, we are very pleased with how it went. Um, just, you know, it's, it's hard with a show like that. You, you do two performances, uh, you rehearse and rehearse and rehearse and you get two shots to get it right. And, uh, I always say, you know, we will, we will open on this day and promptly close the next day. Right. Um, and so, you know, it is, it's a lot of, um, uh, preparation, but then a lot of pressure uh, on the cast to really get it right for those two performances. And man, did they ever! Did they get ever? It right. Yeah. And from the verbal feedback, the quality surveys, uh, the cast experience, uh, overall, uh, people are saying it was a rousing success. Why do you? What are you pointing to in that? Why do you think it, it went off so well? Well, you know, uh, we we could have gone two ways. It was it was certainly the most ambitious project that this creative team has taken on. Um, we didn't have a blueprint, really. We had a script, but we didn't have a blueprint creatively. Um, there was no theatrical, iconic moments to the show. So we were really put into a great position to create, to actually create a lot of the staging and the look and the mm. feel of the show. And uh, upon doing that, we could have gone two different directions where we could have thrown up our hands and said, you know what, it's just too difficult. Uh, let's just make this really simple and go really easy. Um, but we didn't um, mm. as a creative team. Instead, we we took on the challenges. Uh, we we laugh now. It wasn't fun at the time, but as we were in rehearsals, uh, you know, we would solve one problem. But in solving that one problem, it would create You'd three create others, three more. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that was that was certainly a challenge of the creative process. But in doing so, and just setting our sights toward doing this show and telling the story well, um, and and not lowering the bar, but in, but in fact raising it, um, uh, if I can say patting my creative team on the back, uh, uh, 
I think that is that's a big piece of why it was why it was well received. That that we did we were very focused on the storytelling of Hunchback of Notre Dame, um, and also we were in fact given just a great score and a great mm. script that um, uh, was was you know it's really hard to not let these moments land uh, when you have this amazing underscore that is driving the dialogue and driving into the music. Yeah, and I, when we started this process, I didn't know much about the Hunchback of Notre Dame. I haven't even sat down and really listened to the entire score. And what a glorious mm. score it is mm-hmm. uh, that uh, Minkin put together uh, that really, I think, probably is some of the most majestic and epic <laughs> uh, score in, in musical theater history, honestly. And it was one of those... Uh, stories and one of those shows we talk a lot on this show about um you, you know not just doing art for art's sake but there being something driving behind it there being some reason or some force for doing that and i know for you and your team that was very true of hunchback there was a story to tell beyond the story that was happening on stage there was something you wanted the audience to grasp and um i know that i felt that in a huge way i i, I wasn't ready for it i told you i would sob <laughs> like a baby as i'm watching this like just sobbing because of how moving it was but what was the thing you wanted the audience to take away that you felt like landed um well at the end uh the the, the cast all gathers and, and in a straight line stepping down stage they ask the question of the audience what makes a monster and what makes a man and so for us to um, ask that question of our audience after we had told the entirety of the story and really for the audience to, to ask that question of themselves, who have I not accepted? Mm. Who have I marginalized uh, in my world, in my sphere of influence? Who have I said, no, I'm not going to associate with that? Mm. And instead, uh, asking yourself, who can I make notice of? Who have I been passing on the street? Who have I not been paying attention to that deserves a little bit of extra attention maybe from me and the love that I have to give right now? Um, I think that was what was jarring to Mm. our audience was this, you know, um, there's certainly an association of this story with the Disney film. Um, I think that is what most people uh, maybe know. And and maybe they had some required reading in high school or college uh, of the Hunchback story. But um, what most people know was was the Disney film. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so with that, I think that they were coming in for a night of theater <laughs> that was just going to be fun and rousing and uh, jaunty topsy-turvy and topsy-turvy and, <laughs> and toe-tapping. And, and, and we had all of that. But my goodness, at the end of the day, there was, a, there was an important message to this story of um, acceptance. And uh, that was, I hope, what everybody walked out mm. um, asking themselves that question and wrestling with that a little bit. Yeah, well, I think they did. So job well done to Thank you and you. your entire cast and crew. And listeners, if you want to hear a beautiful musical theater score, uh, check out The Hunchback of Notre Dame. Not the not the movie uh, nope. CD, which is good, but is uh, good. the, the actual um, musical theater well, and score. There's a, keep an eye out because there's a, a, an ear out also. There's a bunch of productions that are going to be going up around Central Florida uh, coming up, Garden uh, Theater is doing, doing it. Yep, absolutely. And um, uh, Titusville. Yep. Uh, or Coco. No, I believe it's Titusville. Titusville, Titusville Playhouse is doing, is doing it. it as well. So yeah, there's ways to go and see it. Yeah, and I highly recommend. And, and prepare yourself. It's uh, 
it, it is, it, there are moments of fun, but at the same time, you should be ready and willing to uh, wrestle with some emotions afterwards. Yeah, absolutely. Well said. So I'm uh, super excited about our conversations today with Opera Orlando, where opera comes first. I don't think I'll ever <laughs> forget that. And on the show today, we have the executive and artistic director, the man himself, Gabriel Pricer, and his brother, Grant Pricer, who serves as the production manager, graphic designer, and everything else that Gabe doesn't do, right? Is that really what it is? <laughs> like, the two of you are like the show, right? Welcome to the show, guys. Thanks for having us, Josh. Always a pleasure to be here. It's Thanks, good Josh. to always have you back, and I always feel so inferior when you start talking because you have this voice <laughs> like this that fills up the whole room. It's the tenors it, by on the way, this side. Mary said, she said, make sure you have Gabe sing on the show. So oh, at dear. some point, Gabe, we're going to have to get you to I, sing. I think we should have Grant sing. Oh, he has a lower voice than I Grant, do. Grant, are you a singer too? It's been a long time since I've oh. sung. <laughs> <laughs> is that your real voice, or you just really try to show me No, up? no, no. This is, this is it. This, since I was 14. It's all natural. <laughs> Oh, that's that's awesome. Okay. Well, Gabriel, tell us about Gabe. Do you like Gabe or Gabriel for the radio show? You what know, do you want your audience to I, know I don't you think as? I've never heard you call me Gabriel. I kind of liked it when you said it. No, <laughs> I said it. And I couldn't believe that's that right. I said it. You can call me Gabe. You Gabe are an fine. angel, Gabe. Oh, right. Is nice. that good? Gabriel, there we go. That's sweet. <laughs> Isn't Gabriel a trumpet player though? That's true. Yeah. I, uh, I, no. s I sing the trumpet shall sound <laughs> oh. from the Messiah. That's Good. about as close as Maybe Good. that's what Good. you should sing. Good, yeah. that's close enough. Huh? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> out of season. It's out of season. <laughs> so, Gabe, uh, you have done such awesome work. You and your team and your artists have done such a great job of really a resurgence of opera here in Central Florida. Unfortunately, when we lost Orlando Opera, how many years ago was that now? 2008. 2008. 10 so years ago. 10 years. Mm. Wow. When they unfortunately had to close their doors, the Florida Opera Theater stepped in the gap for a little bit, and then uh, you came along and really gave new life and new breath and new vision and built an incredible board and team and took up the mantle that Florida Opera Theater had started and really um, gave opera the, a place again here in Central Florida. You've done such awesome work. You are from Apopka. You were a football, Born and raised. Fo football player, right? Yes, yeah. yes, I was. In another <laughs> life, it's hard to imagine. So why, why do you love opera, and why have you devoted now your life to making sure that everybody in Central Florida can experience it? Oh, gosh, that, that's a great question. Why do I love opera? First of all, what's not to love? You know, it's just all of these great art forms coming together in such a happy marriage, such a happy union. And uh, I was the youngest of six kids, as Grant can attest. I always loved to get attention. Uh, so performing always came naturally to me, and I always felt at home on yeah. the stage. And there's a special synergy when a show happens. I'm sure you guys can relate to that, speaking of Hunchback. And it's just unlike anything else, especially live theater, and to be able to share that with the community and Opera, as, uh, as I was saying, is the culmination of all these art forms. So it's it's an important part of our culture, of our history. Mean, what do you mean by culmination of all these art forms? So tell us a little bit about what that looks like. Costume design, hair and makeup design, lighting design, set design, which Grant does for us uh, very well. Uh, singing, you know, but not amplified, you know, mm. not on mics. Full throttle singing. These singers have to be trained. You know, most of them have their doctorates in opera. Right. Crazy, crazy thought. Get your doctorate gotcha. in opera. opera. Right. Don't do that. <laughs> um, and then full orchestra, beautiful orchestrations. These usually composers, dancing Puccini, as well. there usually could be dancing. dancing. Yeah, exactly. So, so really, truly, all of the art forms wrapped into one beautiful show. When were you, what was the first time you sang an opera aria? Is it arias for everybody? 
Well, an aria uh, would be from an opera. Yeah, it's a song from an opera. Okay. Um, and then you have art songs, which you would study like Italian art songs or German leader, leader's right. word for art song or uh, French chanson, mélodie. Um, so I studied a couple of those in high school. You know, everyone does like the 26 Italian art songs. I think the first one is Caro Mio Ben, uh. which everyone starts off there. But, the, <laughs> but the, this is a funny story. The first opera I was in was Der Vampir. Have I shared this with you before? No, uh-uh. Very obscure opera, German romantic opera. And it's basically like Twilight, the opera. Uh-huh. You know, it's about a vampire uh, who kills all these girls. Anyways, very <laughs> lovely story. And that was actually my, my first exposure or my first actual opera that I was in. And I just fell in love with it. You know, like singing in a foreign language, three hours long. It was kind of athletic, you know, as a... Sure. As a aspiring football player. I still have four <laughs> years of eligibility. One of these, one of these days. Um, I was also attracted to the athleticism involved with opera, if that, if that makes talk, any sense. Talk a little bit more about that for, you know, the athleticism involving what? Well, there's muscle coordination involved, you know, especially when you're singing fully supported from your diaphragm. So there's the training involved. Mm-hmm. You know, you have these weekly lessons with your teacher. You have uh, language training with your vocal coaches or even called coaches. Yeah. Uh, at the college setting. Um, and then you perform. Then you have the big game on stage. You know, you have all this prep time. So it, it, it's very similar yeah. to athletics in a lot of ways. Preparation and, uh, yeah. The preparation and, and the, the execution, working with the team. Yeah. Um, and then with opera specifically, it's usually a, a longer show. Mm-hmm. And um, you're running around stage. You're singing full throttle. It, it You have to be in shape, especially those baritones. Because, yeah. you know, barahunks, that's where it's at. <laughs> oh, <nice song. laughs> the Met Broadcast screwed that up for everybody. Right. <laughs> that's awesome. Let me, uh, let me ask this question because I've, I've heard this debated back and forth and I want to hear it from you. Uh-oh. Uh, Uh-oh. The difference, help me with the difference of um, musical theater versus opera. Oh, that's so funny. We were talking about this with my mother last night. Yeah, we had, we had this exact conversation <laughs> uh, last right. night. Good. I know the answer. I know the answer. Oh, good. Well... The difference is it's a musical if the composer wanted to call it a musical. Okay. It's an opera if the composer wanted to call it an opera. Great. Oh, okay. Really? Now That's we as know. deep as it gets. Well, they're all from the same family. Opera's sure. been around since 1600 and has birthed all these different variations, operetta, zarzuela, mm-hmm. uh, which we just did in Osceola County. Um, uh, Zingspiel, music theater. I mean, all of these are subsets of opera. Opera means work, mm-hmm. a theatrical work with music. So oh, music theater okay. is opera. Opera is music theater. Well, and for me, as the as the as a creative person myself, and wanting to live in that space of of gray, I love that that is the extent of the difference for you. <laughs> I love it. I love it so much. Yeah, because yeah. I think that it, that doesn't put you in a box, no. really, right? Like, yeah. But I think a lot of times you think of opera as a certain style of singing. That's how most people probably would define it, right? Like if you went to go see a, an, an opera and you heard somebody musical theater belting, you'd be like, this doesn't make sense to me, right? Or if you went to a musical theater and you heard somebody uh, maybe other than like uh uh, carousel or something. I don't know. Maybe there are some that feel more like operas than classical. Yeah, classic yeah. classical. You're exactly right. But but then there are exceptions to to all of those because you, you'll say, well, opera is not used with mics and music theater is with used with mics. There's exceptions to that now with modern operas that mm. are are you know it's called for to have microphones. You look at Tommy. That's uh, a rock opera. Yeah. Right. That's right. an opera. That's so. what they called it. That's right. what they right. called it. Right. You look at Magic Flute which people think is an opera, but it's, it's a zingspiel. Not. It has dialogue. And zingspiel was the uh, the mother, if you will, the predecessor 
of modern day music theater. Uh, we're just getting into all this great conversation about opera. Thank you for listening in tonight and join us back here on Magic 107.7 FM from the heart. Welcome back to From the Heart. This is Joshua Vickery with Rob Lott standing in. Mary Thompson Hunt. <laughs> For Mary Thompson Hunt. She misses all of you. Hope you're having a fabulous drive home, getting ready for a Monday, whatever you're doing on this Sunday evening. And we are talking all things opera here in Central Florida with the Pricer Brothers. <laughs> we should be singing all things opera. We should be we singing will, things, from, all things from opera. From here on out, all of our questions need to be sung. So, Rob, the next time you come back and guest host, we will make that a challenge. that We will sing <laughs> oh the entire gosh. show. So, Grant, let's chat with you a little bit. Sure. Uh, tell us how you got involved in, in the arts. Uh, and then bring us up to how you got involved with Upper Orlando. Besides, your brother told you you had to. That's kind of well. That's that's <laughs> that's, 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 that's the story. story. That's okay. the story there. Um, but no, I was I was a theater kid growing up, so I was a theater geek um, okay. here in Orlando at Dr. Phillips High School. Oh, cool! Which has an incredible um, program. Yeah, which was which was fantastic. Um, and ended up going to school uh, to sing. Okay. Um, and so I did my undergraduate in voice and was in opera choruses, and that was sort of the first my first experience with opera and a lot of the same things that Gabe talked about in terms of <coughs> the scope and the scale of what you do and the, the intellectual challenge of singing in a foreign language and, and giving drama to that foreign language. That's just, inc- so are all the, does the whole family sing? No, no, no. <laughs> so it's just the two of you. Just the two of us. And really the reason I got into singing and theater at all was because Grant did it first. We were a sports family growing up. My dad was a football coach and we all played sports. And uh, Grant was the first one to be like, uh, I'd rather do theater. Not and, for me. Right? Sure. <laughs> yeah. And so then you went away to school and you started yep. studying voice. Started studying voice. And then I took a career path change a couple times, a couple turns, um, was an interior designer for a while. Oh, nice. Um, taught at university, um, taught interior design for a long time, um, and then went back and got another uh, graduate degree in opera production. So you're um, just one of these creative dudes that can really do it all, right? <laughs> like, I like it all. I yeah. definitely I definitely like well, being but involved with it There's one thing about being on stage and being able to perform. You know, you studied voice, but then there's the other side of it where it's the production side and design side, and rarely you see all of that wrapped into one mm-hmm. being. But so, I love that puzzle. I love the puzzle of what goes on backstage. Do you prefer backstage or on stage? Uh, backstage. Really? Yeah, Is definitely. that a journey that you've been on, or have you always felt that way? Yeah, I mean, kind of. Um, yeah, I mean, I've always been, I've always been involved in sort of all of it. Um, and I tend to like being backstage. I just, I like figuring all that out. Um, and I like sort of being able to step back and see what is sort of wrought on stage in in terms of the cast and what they bring to it and, you know, see their work sort of come to life. And, and it's amazing. That's to me, that's, that's the reward. It's gotta be, it's gotta be helpful for them, uh, that the guy who is creating their space, um, is has been where they are, right, right, and uh, and that and and knows knows the functionality that is needed. Um, 
Yeah, that's yeah. that's got to be helpful. So answer this next question really carefully, Grant. Okay, <laughs> but I'm super curious. So you oversee a lot of pieces, right? Like so on the production side, you've mm-hmm. got you know your set design and your costumes and hair and makeup and you know is the pit set right and all of that. What part do you really love, and what part you're like, oh, this is just part of my job. I got to I got to <laughs> do it. I got to take care of it. But. I mean, I love I love the pre the the pre show process uh-huh. in terms of driving to a concept and um, building the team and getting the whole team sort of so on like the, same. the creative conversation the real the beginning crea- yeah yes yeah, yeah, Rob's exactly. over there yeah. shaking his head he loves yeah. that too nodding nodding that. his head <laughs> nodding um, he loves head. it the, <laughs> yes, <laughs> not shaking okay. and the, yeah and then and then the and then the big reward is when you see that actually show up on stage right. You know, months you know a year later <laughs> and i think i think then so it sounds like this is probably you are true you are right alongside all of all of the creatives of the world that it's the actual doing yeah of the creative that is, is not everyone's favorite yeah, yeah it's that yeah, in between yeah. time <laughs> yeah the time between the idea and yeah. the the finishing exactly. like making the set concept is glorious but actually building the set isn't always as fun <laughs> it's not right? always as fun and, yeah. dri- and driving the truck to load and unload the oh yeah i would never make you do that super <laughs> not <fun>. what <laughs> is super not fun. that's um, awesome but so yeah. what how long so how long have you been doing this with opera orlando since since you started gabe or um our First show, you were doing just graphic design for yeah, us. Yeah, I started getting involved with the with the double bill mm-hmm. um, that sort of relaunched the company, and then, and then right. the first one that you did scenic design was Don Pasquale. Yeah, in 1617, yeah. and he just did Bohem for us, which you yeah. came and saw, and, and he's doing Cinderella right yeah. now, which is coming well, up saw, this month. I saw the double bill, which was also brilliant. Whose idea was it to have the babies come down from the ceiling and the remember the balloons? I think it was. <laughs> Come on, that was cool. Well, I, I had seen on social media, which is great, the day before, all these people that I knew who were standing outside taking pictures with these balloon babies, and I'm like, "What is that? And how are they going to incorporate that into the show?" I want a show? balloon baby. I want one, right? Like, which I did get one, by the way. So I have then to when give I some. Went the next day, yeah. and they fell from the ceiling. These all these balloons, and just uh-huh. it was so cool. Was I have really to give cool. some credit to Terry Olson who connected us with the. Um, latex artist the balloon artist who did that for us and oh, then cool. of, and then of course eric pinder who was our director who kind of uh made it happen yeah but. eric's brilliant so la Buen was beautiful that was the beginning of your 17 18 la Buen was our current season yeah current season and then you had a mall in december and then you just finished like literally today the noche de sarsuela yeah spanish and tell opera us a little bit about how that came to be and maybe some of your partners because that's a big deal that's when we talk about yeah opera we don't always think um in, in a diversity in opera sometimes right you think of right. it as kind of very much in a box and this was something you did intentionally to kind of break down those walls so tell us about it like we were talking about earlier there are so many different genres of opera out there and this was a great opportunity for us to reach out um, and make an impact in the hispanic community and also in the high schools so the way the program worked is we partnered with central florida vocal arts we did an in-school program with all Osceola County high schools, teaching them about Zarzuela, which is Spanish opera going back to the 1600s. And then those students were able to share the stage with professional opera singers at the Osceola Performing Arts Center um, and do a concert of Zarzuela highlights. And we had a couple of the high school students sing on the concert. They, they were awesome. handpicked to be the soloist on the program. And it's absolutely lush music. I mean, it's like Puccini, but in Spanish. 
Um, also a little bit more on the comical side, more kind of operetta mm-hmm. style. But um, yeah, absolutely gorgeous. If you've never heard of Zarzuela, look it up. Placido Domingo sings Zarzuela all the time on, on his concerts. And there's even the Singer of the World competition has a Zarzuela uh, division. I mean, it really is a very well-known art form internationally. So we're excited to expose people to it here in Orlando. So now that it's happened and it's still so fresh, you know, on your mind, is this something that maybe Opera Orlando wants to continue to expose people to is, is the, is the art form of Sarsuela? Cause you know, we have such a beautiful Hispanic community here in central Florida. Uh, it sounds like something that you could even take out more and do more to build that audience. We definitely do. We definitely do. Hopefully bringing it to orange County schools next year or Seminole County schools. Nice. Um, yeah, finding, finding ways where we as a company can make an impact in the community and reflect our mm-hmm. community. Mm-hmm. And that's really one of your goals, right, Gabe, is for opera to be feel more and to actually be more accessible to everyone. And you, sometimes when you think about opera, you think about it just being this thing for only rich people or a certain class or you got to get all dressed up in your tuxedo. And you're really trying to help people understand that there is a place for that. But there's also right. a place for, um, you know, being out in the schools and being uh, out in hospitals and being on the streets, you know, all of those kind of things. Exactly. Isn't that what you're trying to do? That certainly is the stereotype. But if you look at the composers, Mozart, great example, was writing for the everyday man, was making social commentary mm. for the everyday man. Leonard Bernstein was making social commentary for the everyday man. And opera really is for the masses. And, and that certainly is... Our, our vision, our goal is to engage Central Florida audiences with our productions, with our education programs. Um, and it needs to be accessible. It needs to be relevant to what's happening today. We don't want it to be a museum piece. Mm-hmm. Opera has been around and it can be treated that way, but we find it's more impactful when we can make it relevant to, to today's audiences. Mm-hmm. So you'll see Cinderella is a little bit of a different take and I'll give you a great example. Coming up, we're doing a Star Trek version uh, of Mozart's abduction from the Seraglio. Very, very campy, very cheesy, uh, but lots of fun. You yeah. know, something we can relate to, and it's still Mozart's glorious music. I've been to three opera productions in the last year and a half, whatever, by you guys. And every single one of them, even like a La Boheme or the Devil Bill that you guys did, you, guys did, you, you put in really funny, cool, modernized things to it to where it it makes fee- people feel like they can relate, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's not right. just about what happened back in the 1600s, 1700s. It brings it more into today so people can say, oh, I relate with that. Like instead of eating, you know, crumpets and tea, it's McDonald's <laughs> french fries, right? I like, do love my crumpets and tea, as you know. <laughs> I have no idea that's what they're <laughs> not, eating, but it's, <laughs> not unlike, it sounds not unlike how Shakespeare is often put into new settings. Exactly right. Um, so talk about when you were, as you were deciding as the artistic director, as you were deciding the upcoming season, um, how how much is this conversation playing into your conversation of choosing operas? Mm. Oh, hugely, yeah. hugely. Um, I'm sure as Josh and you can relate to, you have so many variables to balance when you're picking your season. You want to sell tickets. You want to make your donors <laughs> happy. You want to do what you see as the artistic vision of the company. Um, so it's really more about getting everyone on the same page within our organization having these conversations mm-hmm. with our board, uh, which can mm-hmm. sometimes be difficult conversations, and, and changing the conversation, changing the culture of the organization where we are outward-facing to the community, mm-hmm. and we're also forward-thinking 
with what's happening today and today's news. I mean, Giovanni was a great example. When yeah. we set Giovanni on a mm-hmm. college campus, it was almost too timely because we <laughs> had news about campus rape even in our mm-hmm. community. Um, but why not? Opera, sh- opera should be on the forefront of social news, mm. social commentary. It is social commentary. That's what Mozart, uh, Bernstein, these great composers were doing. And I think that's what you are really turning what people think of when they think of opera on its head. When you say the point of this, some of this is that we want to open doors for conversation. We want to be relevant to what's happening in our social, in our society today, because again, when you think of opera, you think of long ago, right? right? Like you think right. of, of, so what are some other things that you guys have been, you and the board have been intentional about at Opera Orlando to, to make some changes. You said that there's some, been some tough conversations and some kind of forward thinking. What are some of those things that you've done that have been intentional to change that? Well, for instance, we're doing a show at the Fringe mm. uh, coming up. Uh, and Grant can maybe tell you a little bit <laughs> more about those pieces, uh, Safeway and Companion. It's from a trio of operas. It's from, it's from a, a trio of operas called Three Way. Um, and we're only doing the first two acts of, of three-way, the companion and safe word. What's the third? Um, the third one is about an orgy. Oh, <laughs> yes, I didn't know that. That might be on, on the From the Heart mm-hmm. show. That yeah. might be the first time. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, now we've had many friend shows on here, so oh, we, well. we, we have to be, yeah, there's bleep been some things out. <laughs> but I think everybody just turned the, they just turned the dial up a little bit. They, now they're interested. <laughs> so apparently it's not as good as the other two. So maybe that's a lesson for everyone. So safe word. And companion. The companion, yeah. And so tell us a little bit about what we would um, experience if we come yes. see this at French. So it's it's modern opera, obviously on sexual themes and, and about sexual content. The companion is about um, a woman who purchases a, a sex robot, basically. As, okay. in, the as, future, in the future. In the future. They're not available yeah. right now. As as her companion. And, and it's sort of about her trying to like find love with this, with this object that is supposed to, is programmed to give her love. Does, wow. the, does the robot sing? Um, everybody sings. Great. The yeah, robot every, is a tenor. I know you were wondering. <laughs> yes. Um, and then, and so it sort of, sort of explore, it explores, you know, love in terms of not just, you know, when you can't find love as a human, you know, where, ah. where, where do you, where do you reach out to? And Interesting. Do we reach out the, to our electronic devices? Yeah. We, right. Yeah. Right. Um, so that's, that's a great one. And then safe word is about, a, a an S and M relationship, um, a dominatrix and a client. Um, and you kind of think it's, it's one sort of stereotype of that, of that type of relationship. And as, as it develops, it takes some, some pretty dark twists and then all of a sudden. Boy, this kinda... is making opera accessible for sure. <laughs> well, and, espe- and especially, and especially at a venue like Fringe where, it where it's about theater and it's about live entertainment and they don't necessarily care about what the genre is. They want to be, you know, titillated and you know, see, see great work. And, and well, and I feel like, and I, not that I can predict the future, but I feel like you guys, it will go great because people are going to want to see how can we make opera cool at the French festival, right? They're going to want to yeah. check it and out. There's so, and there's this, so much, there's so much repertoire out there exactly. um, okay, so in the, terms of opera that, that people don't know about and they only assume it's Mozart. Cool. All right. So you're going to have to check that out. It's going to be in May at the Fringe Festival, right? So yep, make with sure Eric Pender directing. With Eric Pender yeah. directing. So check out the website, which will give operaorlando.org to get all the information. That Join us back here in just a few minutes on uh, From the Heart, Magic 107.7 FM. 
Welcome back to From the Heart Magic 107.7 FM. This is Joshua Vickery and standing in for Mary Thompson Hunt is the Rob Lott. And today on the program, we are talking to Opera Orlando and Gabriel and Grant Pricer, having some awesome conversation about accessibility and the exciting things that are happening at Opera Orlando. So uh, we were just talking about the, the Fringe Festival, and you got some shows coming up there. Uh, but you also have, uh, what else is coming up? we got Cinderella coming up. Yeah, Tell so us a little bit about that. Yeah, so Cinderella is our, our last main stage at the Pew, um, at the Dr. Phillips Center. Um, and it is Rossini's Cenerentola for those, oh. for those opera people out there <laughs> that, <laughs> that know that. Yeah. Wait, can you say that one more time? Because it's just cool. La Cenerentola. Uh, there we go. <laughs> and now one more time, but some. <laughs> In your quiet voice. <laughs> um, so we're really excited about it. It's, I mean, it's obviously a title that everybody knows. Yep. Um, and it's a, and it's the basic story is the same story that everyone knows, although it's not it's not Disney Cinderella. Yep. Um, and it's not the typical fairy tale version. It's it's a little a little different. Um, it's, Would you say when you say different, is it darker or is it a different storyline? What do you mean by different? It's it's not magical, <laughs> right? So there's no there's no fairy godmother. Okay. Um, there there is a there is a fantastical element to it, um, and I would say that it's a little darker. And our and our take is is a little a little darker. Um, the but it also has elements of slapstick in it too because yeah. it's Rossini. Yeah. And, uh, so it's it's this like dark but also very funny and very hijinksy. Mm. Yeah, and so our our approach is somewhere in between Alice in Wonderland and the Adams Family. Yeah, exactly. Oh, um, <laughs> so, and it kind of hits the right the right sort of dark humor. So, um, so more like gothic, it. is that right? Yeah, like kind of. The... Yeah, more gothic. Um, but again, trying to make it trying to make it relevant, and and you know why why do we like Cinderella? It's yeah. this idea of of someone um, in dire straits that that through hope and through being a good person that that they can rise above that. Um, and cool. so really focusing on that in the piece and, and hoping that comes through. So uh, artistically speaking, what, what drew you to this, to this title? Well, the music is just so flashy, and you have to have these virtuosic singers to come in and do it. And uh, so it's been a real great opportunity for us to invite some amazing singers. And as part of that, we've partnered with Valencia to have a couple of our opera stars do master classes at Valencia with their students and then do a concert, which we're calling Opera Goes to College, on April 8th, where these opera stars will sing with the students. Um, so it's, again, a great way for us to be out in the community sure. sharing this art form, not just on the main stage, but with local colleges. That's great. And this uh, is happening at the uh, Dr. Phillips Center at the Pew Theater on Wednesday, March 21st, Friday, March 23rd, Saturday, March 24th, and Sunday, March 25th. And it's going and to it be. And it will sell out. It will sell out. You, your shows usually do sell yeah. out, so make sure you get your tickets. And it's going to be accompanied by the uh, Orlando Philharmonic, uh, conducted by uh, its music director Eric Jacobson. Uh, so, what are? Um, how long is this? You know, some that's one of the things some people think about. They got there. Oh, I chimes in just under seven hours. Four hours. hours. So <laughs> Sunday afternoon Josh. to give up to the. Well, opera, that's good. It's so not four hours. It's only. <laughs> Three and a half. hours of intermission. Two and a half hours, which is your typical That's regular theater. You know, yeah. Going to see any kind yeah. of yeah. symphony or musical theater or anything like that. So, and how much are tickets? Tickets uh, start at $39. Which is a great and price for the opera. Yeah, go up to $79. Cool. Yeah. And uh, you can get those tickets on operaorlando.org. Operaorlando.org. So uh, you also have a big gala coming up as well. Tell us about that. We do. You know, you mentioned something at the beginning that I, I wanted to touch on. Um, 
when Opera Orlando, when we changed our name from Florida Opera Theater to Opera Orlando, it's been just amazing how the community has responded. It really seemed to be the perfect timing. And I'm very humbled that we've been able to carry on the legacy of opera in Orlando because Orlando Opera was around for 50 years. Mm. And several of the founding members of Florida Opera really? Theater. Really? 50 years? Was 50 I don't think years. I knew that it would have oh. been around that long. Yeah. Yep. And we let it go. Not not we, not yeah, we in this right, room. You, but but uh, <laughs> Central Florida, let it go. Okay. We'll share that story next time, Josh. <laughs> but several of the founding members of Florida Opera Theater who are still on our board as, Orlando, as Opera Orlando were involved with the old company, some from the very beginning, mm-hmm. <laughs> actually. It's amazing mm-hmm. how long these people live. Um, <laughs> but we ha- are very excited to honor one of them at our gala, and it's Kathy Miller, actually Kathy and Steve Miller. Mm-hmm. Um, and the gala is going to be at Alfond Inn, so we can honor this legacy. You know, we, we would not be here without people like Kathy Miller and some of our founding members, Rita Wilkes and Fox. I'm, I'm going to miss somebody, so I'll, I'll stop there. I love but, Rita Wilkes. She is a, a, a wonderful human being. Was she with it from the beginning? Of, from the beginning. She was. Wow, stage yeah. manager, right? Like, yeah. She was a she stage was manager with Orlando Opera. And, yeah, and mm-hmm. Kathy used to sing with Orlando Opera. She was a singer, and now she's uh, one of our board members, huge supporter. We used to do performances at her home. And we still rehearse at her home in Winter yeah. Park. So. Wow, that's amazing. It's people you, like this that have made it happen. You can still get tickets to this, right? You, it's, it's a big fundraiser for, for Opera Orlando. Yeah. So if you want to go and support, you can get those tickets on their website. It is a fun black tie event where you have lots of great entertainment and good food. And it's at the party. beautiful Alphand Inn, for sure. Also, if you have a business or a corporation, you can get a table and uh, really help support uh, the opera. So wh- is there anything that you can tease us about for next year? Like... What's coming up in the future? Well, I don't know if you've noticed, but we've always been expanding. Yes. And, and we haven't been able to keep up with ourselves to come up with a clever name to title <laughs> our expansion. But we've now done it. So next year, we have Opera on the Main Stage, and then we have Opera on the Town. Ooh, so we I have, like we'll it. We'll have two subscription series. We'll have three shows at Dr. Phillips Center like we've had currently. But then these shows like Star Trek Abduction or the Brunda Bar, which we did with our youth company. Right. Um, that was with the Florida Symphony Youth Orchestra, right? The, right. That will be part of our Opera on the Town series. And one show that I'm going to tease right now, we're actually doing a site-specific version of Barbara Seville, mm. another Rossini opera, mm-hmm. at Casa Felice. Very Which is cool. a Spanish villa. And, of course, Barbara Seville takes place in a Spanish villa. So Very cool. that'll be next season, part of our Opera on the Town series. Awesome. And so how many uh, total shows are you guys going to try to do next? It sounds like a lot. Six full productions. Six full productions. And that's not including, yeah, three and three. And that's not including special events like our gala or there's our Zuela concert and all the lead up events. We, we, you know, we're just a girl that can't say no. (laughs) (laughs) And so when does the new season start? So if we say, oh, I can't make it to Cinderella, I really want to, and I can't make it. What can we look forward to next? When's the next thing happen? After Cinderella is, um, Opera goes to college on okay. April 8th, and then we have The Fringe in May, Star Trek Abduction, May 31st and June 2nd. That will end the our 17-18 season. And then we start the 18-19 season in fall of 2018. That's which, like September time September, period? September, yeah. Okay. So you can keep up with all the news and happenings at operaorlando.org. And is there a phone number, Gabe or Grant? Well, my cell phone is... Oh, oh wait, wait. Yeah, hold on. Sorry, wrong show, wrong show. Hold on. 407 <laughs> five, 
one nine twelve hundred. Yes, if if that's Is not that it, right? it's probably on the website. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> I could. I since I'm looking at the website right now, I could tell. Now it's you got four zero seven five one two. One nine zero zero. That's not what I said. So no. you invert, you invert. <laughs> so I inverted it. Yeah, that's oh man. Five one two nineteen hundred. That's awesome. And you guys have a you have an office downtown. So if you're, off a of church street, off a of church street. If you're hanging out by a church street, and you need come a place visit. to come and and hang out. Then absolutely go and see uh, Gabe and Grant at the opera. So Gabe, tell us what are you hoping beyond the shows and beyond the expansion? What are you hoping for opera here in Central Florida? I hope that opera will be here forever. Mm. I hope that people see the cultural heritage importance of opera. I hope they see the entertainment value in opera and also the educational element in opera and the importance of that. You know, there's so much uh, turmoil, violence, conflict in the world today. And when you're able to just enjoy Mozart, Mm. enjoy these great composers, it all can just go away. And the world could use a little bit more of that. Yeah, opera can be a respite for sure from all the stuff that's going on. How about you, Grant? What are you hoping? I'm very much in line with the same the same sort of philosophy. I mean, I think I think ultimately I want opera in Orlando to be the live entertainment you know go to for a lot of people. You yeah. Know, in terms of enjoying enjoying being out and about and social. Which yeah, is and what you're and you're also as a part of that, hoping it be it stays here forever. You're creating opportunities for all ages, right, Gabe? I mean, you've got the Opera Children's Course now, Youth Course, right? Exactly, our youth company. Youth company. Yep. So uh, so what what age does that start at? 8 to 18. Cool. And I didn't get to talk about this earlier, so I'm happy you brought it up. And we're actually doing online youth company classes now. Oh, nice. So even if you can't be there in person, you can watch online. You can either just observe or you can be interactive. You have to pay a little bit extra to be interactive. But we partnered with the Interactive Academy of Performing Arts, and it's basically like a Skype connection. Wow. So the teachers talk to you. You talk. You can sing. That's cool. It, we're, we're trying it out this year. I think the potential is just amazing, you know, so trying you, to keep up with the times, right? Yeah, Well, totally. and that was, that was going to be just in general my, my, my last question. What, um, not just in Central Florida, but having you guys in the room who are experts and an and, and authority in this area, what do you think, and I'm putting you on the spot, I know that, what do you think is the future of opera? Diversity, uh, uh, eclecticism. Is that a word? Yeah, you it's not. It you one. just made it up. Yeah, I know you're, you're the expert. Okay, okay. <laughs> I think eclecticism. Right. You, you have to think outside the box, which the Pew Theater has forced us to do. Believe you me, <laughs> with no pit and a mm-hmm. smaller venue. Um, so you look for alternate venues, alternate spaces, alternate avenues and mediums to share this art form, like online, social media. Um, There's so many new operas being composed. You want to pay homage to the classics. You want to find that balance where Mm -hmm. you can respect this art form that's been around for over 400 years, but also make it relevant. That's Mm -hmm. the challenge. It's Mm -hmm. a challenge. There's no question about it. Who are the uh, uh, what are the what are the up and coming composers? What are you seeing that is new? Gosh, well, I'm a big fan of Kevin Putz. I don't know if you've heard of Kevin Putz. He mm-hmm. won the Pulitzer Prize for um, Silent Night, which was an opera about World War One. Um, but he's also written The Manchurian Candidate and Elizabeth Cree. Yeah, that? Elizabeth Kevin Cree Putz did, and Mark Campbell yeah, just, as well just in premiered. Philadelphia. Um, yeah. And his music, it's so accessible. It's almost like movie music, um, but with that. Um, Kind of Straussian. I, I don't know. It's very. It's eclectic, really. Mm-hmm. That's the only word to describe it. You have to kind of listen to it. 
other other modern opera composers. Grant uh, Paul Paul Moravec. Um, oh yeah, who just Paul, did, oh, yeah. they just I've did The Shining at um, at Minnesota Opera. So based on Stephen King's wow. The Shining, which was oh that's um, cool. Pretty, Paul's pretty done cool a lot piece. of stuff with the Winter Park Bach Festival here. Yeah, in town. Right. Yeah, 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 right. So do you guys have a dream of creating your own opera out of Opera Orlando, creating new works? It would be great to commission work. I mean, yeah. I think that's that's the future. And stop stop thinking about opera as an old art form where we just can regurgitate the same thing, but really come up with new compelling work that takes the spirit of opera and makes it makes it contemporary. Well, and isn't that a way audiences. to really solidify its existence in Central Florida is if you start producing opera out of central florida right yeah. <laughs> right and, and, and elevate that's elevate a lot harder than than, than just saying it on the radio easier but, um sung than done yeah and elevate, elevate than orlando than done. well done rob arts, <laughs> and elevate orlando to an arts city you know to be known orlando yeah. to be known as a cultural center. as a destination yes. for the arts and yes. we love bringing in other companies and other organizations here to give us such great creative experiences but we also want to be uh, that community that sends it out to other places exactly. as well. How cool. Well, you guys, you're doing great work and uh, thank you for uh, making opera uh, accessible for us to have here again in, in central Florida. Uh, any last parting words, Gabe? We'll see you at the opera. See you at the opera <laughs> at opera Orlando where opera comes first. Operaorlando.org is where you can learn about all of the, uh, the rest of the shows in this season, as well as their season announcements for next season and uh, definitely go and check out the uh, the friend show. I think that's going to be <laughs> tons of fun. You heard about it here on From the Heart. And Rob, it's been a blast, dude. Oh my goodness! Thanks for having me. We'll have to have you back again. Okay. You can, you can either be Mary or Josh. All right, sounds good. One, you you can take your pick next time. Sounds we'll, good. Sounds like a plan. <laughs> awesome, and listeners, thank you for supporting the arts. Go out and check out OrlandoAtPlay.com. That gives you a good uh, overview of all the things that are happening in Central Florida. We'll see you next week on Magic. 107.7 FM from the heart.